You could have called this game Bird vs. Camel and no one would have argued with you. You could have called this game Bird vs. Camel and that's because you're reading the Dead Sea Scrolls. It very much has a Bird vs. Camel vibe. Thank you very much, JonTron, for your prophetic insight into what we're reading today. And what are we reading today for a little bit of a shorter entry in the Dead Sea Scrolls series? Well, we are starting off on the fragments on Jerusalem and King Jonathan. Now, you may be wondering to yourself, King who? <laughs> well, in the period of time in which the Qumran community was first getting set up, there was an actual King Alexander Yanaeus, or Yanai, that is a Hasmonean ruler, the second of them, and he is known in our vernacular as King Jonathan. Now, this is weird because as a general rule of thumb, politically speaking, rulers did not get along with Qumran, if they had any dealings with Qumran at all. I mean, you have this weirdo cult sitting there praying to God and praising other gods while claiming they're all about the law of God while also doing astrology and making plans to kill everybody that isn't them. If you were a ruler, you would not like these people very much. So it is presumed that King Jonathan, the Hasmonean ruler, really wasn't a fan of these guys and probably enacted policies against them. However, nonetheless, it could have been that these little fragments here regarding King Jonathan could have been olive branches for peace and agreement. They could have been attempts at liking their political leaders for once instead of saying that they are all led by Belial and therefore deserve to die in the great day of war when they throw all their bejeweled spears and stuff. We don't know exactly why these are here. It could very well just be that somebody had non-sectarian fragments or scrolls and these somehow got left in the Dead Sea Scroll collection. But we're going to go ahead and assume that, yes, the Qumran community somehow, for some arcane reason, produced these. So, one fragment writes, Hallelujah, Psalm, dot, dot, dot. Thou hast loved as a father, dot, dot, dot. Thou hast acted as a prince over, dot, 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 vakat. And those who hate thee, dot, 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 fear, dot, dot, dot. The many announce, dot, 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 fear, dot, 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 and for those who are perfect, behold, the eyes of the Lord have compassion on the good, and his mercy is great over those who glorify him. From an evil time he saves their soul. He redeems the poor from the hand of oppressors, and delivers the perfect from the hand of the wicked. He desires his tabernacle in Zion, and chooses Jerusalem forever. Okay, so maybe given this address here to King Jonathan. This is all pretty much the same collection here, these poetic fragments. It could very well be that they were attempting to butter King Jonathan up in order to maybe set themselves down the path on controlling Jerusalem. The next fragment reads, Holy city for King Jonathan and for all the congregation of thy people Israel who are in the four corners of heaven. May the peace of them all be on thy kingdom. May thy name be blessed. Okay, yeah, sounds pretty cordial, right? 
Next column, though. I will dot dot dot. Oh, and real quick, some people had mentioned the dot dot dots. They thought that they were ellipses for dramatic effect. I promise you that they are not. And ellipses, whenever I go dot dot dot, is because the text of the scroll is fragmentary. It is illegible and untranslatable for all the people that have worked on it for all this time. So let's uh, restart here. I will dot 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 in thy love dot 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 during the day and until the evening dot 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 to draw near to be dot 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 to visit them for a blessing dot 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 on thy name which is invoked dot 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 kingdom to be blessed dot 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 on the day war dot 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 to King Jonathan and then it ends with another ellipses another fragmentary break. So yes, this is something that by and large we have zero ability to get what's going on here. It's incomprehensible due to the passage of time and various environmental fragments that left the papyrus illegible for us. However, since it invokes the name of King Jonathan, again, uh, King Alexander Yanaeus, uh, or Yanai, the Hasmonean ruler, it is assumed that this is something of praise to that king. They were willing to write semi-psalms, kind of the way some of the psalms are addressed to kings in the actual biblical psalms, because they want a blessing from God upon the king. But the problem is, is that ultimately the psalms that celebrate kings give language to them about how their rule is supposed to go forever and ever, redeeming the holy, etc. It really does point to Jesus Christ as the ultimate king, the one who will be king forever over God's people and over the entire universe. He already has all that authority, so it's properly understood that the royalist psalms are psalms aimed at, geared towards addressing our Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if the Dead Sea Scrolls guys, the Qumran community writing, kind of figured, well, nah, these are going to be our psalms for just any old king that shows up that can give us some favor and enact policies and stuff that help us to eventually take over. But moving on from there, uh, there were other figures that they liked to sing about. <laughs> Here are some of the hymns of glorification that show up in the collection after the addresses to Jonathan. Initially, this was a hymn of glorification or a song of Michael the Just, supposedly. Let's go ahead and read glorification hymn A. The righteous exult in the strength of his might and the holy ones rejoice in dot 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 in righteousness dot dot dot. He has established it in Israel since ancient times his truth and the mysteries of his wisdom have been in all dot 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 power. Dot 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 in the council of the poor into an eternal congregation. Dot 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 the perfect. Dot 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 eternity a throne of strength in the congregation of gods so that not a single king of old shall sit on it. Neither shall their noble men. Dot 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 my glory is incomparable, and apart from me, none is exalted. None shall come to me, for I dwell in dot 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 in heaven, and there is no dot dot dot. I am reckoned with the gods, and my dwelling place is in the congregation of holiness. 
My desire is not according to the flesh, and all that I value is in the glory of dot dot dot, the place of holiness. Who is counted despicable on my account, and who is comparable to me in my glory? Who is like dot dot dot, the young like me? Is there a companion who resembles me? There is none. I have been taught, and no instruction resembles my instruction, dot, dot, dot. Who shall attack me when I open my mouth, and who can contain the issue of my lips? Who shall summon me to be destroyed by my judgment, dot, dot, dot. For I am reckoned with the gods, and my glory is with the sons of the king. No pure gold or gold of Ophir, dot, dot, dot. Now I know what you're thinking. Hey, this sounds kind of like the prophetic instances in the Old Testament where God himself speaks and talks about his glory. We know this isn't the case here because the righteous exult in the strength of his might is the first line in this glorification hymn A. God is referenced with a capital letter, capital H, his might. That's how it's translated anyway. And this individual that is writing says he has been taught. And the Qumran community believe that God does not need to be taught anything. So this is a different individual who is glorified, exalted, lifted up among the gods. And nobody can even raise a finger against him because he's so super special and strong and awesome and glorified. Now, second thing you might be wondering is, is this a hymn regarding the Messiah? Maybe. After all, they had some very goofy ideas on who the Messiah is. So if he says here in this hymn that I am reckoned with the gods and my glory is with the sons of the king, it could be that they had an early adoptionist idea of the Messiah. You know, they didn't necessarily believe or understand that the Messiah would already be God incarnated into a human body for the sake of saving us. Adoptionism posits that a human being is deified or raised up through their messianic actions. And it could very well be that the uh, Qumran community is speaking with this idea. However, being identified as the Song of Michael, that would be an angel, not the Messiah. But let's see if maybe the next glorification him <laughs> B here gives us a few more details I am reckoned with the gods and my dwelling place is in the congregation of holiness who is counted as me to be despised and who is as despised as me and who is like me forsaken by men and is there a companion who resembles me and no instruction resembles my instruction for I sit dot 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 who is like me among the gods and who shall attack me when I open my mouth? And who can contain the issue of my lips? And who shall summon me to be destroyed by my judgment? For I am beloved of the king and the friend of the holy ones. No one dot dot dot, and no one is comparable to my glory. For I have my station with the gods, and my glory is with the sons of the king. I will not be crowned with pure gold, nor with the gold of Ophir dot dot dot, sing dot dot dot. Well, this is an individual who says that his glory is with the sons of the king, whose station is with the gods. Okay, so now I really do doubt that the Qumran community is really taking a cue from Isaiah when Isaiah tries to 
speak on behalf of the Messiah. When Malachi tries to speak on behalf of John the Baptist, you know, a voice crying out in the wilderness. But I would wager that there is a 70% chance that this is some psychotic, megalomaniacal individual writing about exalting himself from the Qumran community. Because, boy howdy, did they really love themselves some knowledge and did they really have some great ideas about themselves. There's a 30% chance that they're trying to put words in the mouth of the prospective messiah before he shows up and informing the words they're putting in his mouth by Qumran's theology of, boy howdy, look at all these gods. We have so many gods, we can't even hold all these gods. We're just dropping these gods out of our armfuls of gods while we're on our way to our super duper temple where we're going to make all these idols for our gods that totally, um, you know, help us obey the law of God as written in the Torah because we're consistent. And believe it or not, that's about it for the songs and hymns and psalms and the catalog of insanity from the greatest hits of the Qumran community. Now we get to move on to the calendars, liturgies, and prayers of the Dead Sea Scrolls. In other words, a different labyrinth of mirrors, lies, craziness, and extremes in theology here. So, we're going to give a taste of this. Like I said, it's going to be a shorter episode than usual, but there are kind of some weird takes on all of this. There was a calendar given that was revolving around the feasts of the Old Testament. That calendar is currently a mess. If you were to ever catch a rabbi on a hot mic talking about their current calendar and the way that they enumerate years, seasons, when they figure out holidays, I mean, they can't really honestly tell you or anybody else that it's accurate. Because a lot of the things that would make it accurate were in the temple, which was destroyed in 70 AD. So a lot of different Jewish communities after the Jewish war that ended in 70 AD had different takes on what year, month, or season it was. But I can tell you that the original Old Testament calendar was a lunar calendar, while the Qumran community, oddly enough, has a solar calendar. Because remember, they're all about the law of Moses, except when they don't feel like it, and they like to substitute their own ideas here. <laughs> But we have a table, a handy dandy table here regarding various courses and um, where the six year cycle goes, uh, where the new moon is supposed to be. I can't really explain it to you. I'm just going to have to read all of these writings here and hopefully we can make it make some sense. And I'll do some extra study here so we can figure out what all these names are for. But until then, please, prepare to be confused and bored, because this is content. Mishmarot A, Fragment 1i, To show it from the east, and to cause it to shine in the middle of heaven in the foundation of the creation from evening till morning. There is full moon on the fourth day in the week of the sons of Gamul in the first month of the first year. On the fifth day in the week of Jediah, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 30th day of the first solar month. 
On the Sabbath of the week of Hakoz, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 30th of the second solar month, on the first day in the week of Eliashib, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 29th day in the third solar month. Whew. On the third day in the week of Bilga, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 28th day in the fourth solar month. On the fourth day of the week of Pitaya, uh, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 27th day in the 5th solar month. On the 6th day in the week of Delia, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 27th day in the 6th solar month. On the Sabbath in the week of Seorum, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 25th day in the 7th solar month. On the second day in the week of Abia, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 25th day in the 8th solar month. On the third day in the week of Yakim, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 24th day in the 9th solar month. On the fifth day in the week of Emer, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 23rd day in the 10th solar month. On the sixth day in the week of Yehezekel, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 22nd day in the 11th solar month. On the first day in the week of Yarib, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 22nd day in the 12th solar month. The second year. On the second day in the week of Milkaya, uh, sorry, Malkaya, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 20th day in the first solar month. On the fourth day in the week of Yeshua, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 20th day in the second solar month. On the fifth day in the week of Hupa, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 19th and the third month. On the Sabbath in the week of Pizez, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 18th and the fourth month. On the first day in Gamul, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 17th day in the 5th solar month. On the third day in the week of Jediah, corresponding to the 30th day in the lunar month, which falls on the 17th day in the 6th solar month. On the fourth day in the week of Mijamin, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 15th day in the 7th solar month. On the sixth day in Shechaniah, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 15th day in the 8th solar month. On the Sabbath in the week of Bilgah, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 14th day in the 9th solar month. On the second day of, in the week of Petaya, uh, Petahaya, actually, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the 13th day in the 10th solar month. Oh my goodness, doesn't it sound just a little bit like they wanted to make their own calendar, but they had to translate their own calendar into the calendar that everybody understood. Hey guys, we want to make a solar calendar. We'll have a handy dandy lunar solar translation sheet so that you can understand where we're coming from. Isn't this great? No, it's not great. This is so confusing. Anyway, let's go on to fragment two. On the first day in the week of Jeshua, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the fifth day in the seventh solar month. On the third day in the week of Hupa, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the fifth day in the eighth month. 
on the fourth day in the week of Hazir, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the fourth day in the ninth solar month. On the sixth day in Jashin, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the third day in the 10th solar month. On the Sabbath, in the week of Jediah, corresponding to the 29th day of the lunar month, which falls on the second day of the 11th solar month. On the second day of Mijamin, corresponding to the 30th day of the lunar month, which falls on the second day in the 12th solar month. Fragment 3. The days, the Sabbaths, and the months, four years, and for sabbatical years, and for jubilees, on the fourth day of the week of the sons of Gamul. Fragment 4. The first year, its feasts. On the third day of the week of Meoziah, the Passover. On the first day in the week of Jediah, the weaving of the sheaf. On the fifth day in the week of Siorim, the second Passover, Vakat. On the first day in the week of Jeshua, the Feast of Weeks. On the fourth day in the week of Meoziah, the Day of Memorial. On the sixth day in Yarib, the Day of Atonement in the seventh month, Vakat. On the fourth day in the week of Jediah, the Feast of Tabernacles, the second year, its feasts. On the third day, in the week of Siorim, the Passover. On the first day, in the week of Mijamin, the weaving of the sheaf. The waving of the sheaf. On the fifth day, in the week of Abiyah, the second Passover. Fragment 4. On the first day, in the week of Huppah, the Feast of Weeks. On the fourth day, in the week of Siorim, the Day of Memorial. On the sixth day, in the week of Malkiah, the Day of Atonement. On the fourth day in the week of Mijamin, the Feast of Tabernacles, Vakat. The third year, its feasts on the third day in the week of Abiyah, the Passover. On the 21st day in the week of Shechaniah, the weaving of the sheaf. The waving of the sheaf. I can't believe I keep saying that. On the fifth day in the week of Jakim, the second Passover. On the first day in the week of Hazir, the Feast of Weeks. On the fourth day in the week of Abiyah, the Day of Memorial. On the sixth day in the week of Jeshua, the Day of Atonement. On the fourth day in the week of Shechaniah, the Feast of Tabernacles. Boy, howdy, they really are trying to take one calendar and align it to another calendar that they were supposed to be on according to the law of Moses and deciding why not do both. Por que no los dos. This is nuts. We keep reading. Uh, on the third day in the week of Jakim, the Passover on the first day... In the week of Jeshebiab, the weaving, waving of the sheaf. On the fifth day in the week of Emer, the second Passover. On the first day in the week of Pizez, the Feast of Weeks. On the fourth day in the week of Jakim, the Day of Memorial. On the sixth day in the week of Huppah, the Day of Atonement. On the fourth day in the week of Jeshebiab, the Feast of Tabernacles, Vakat. The fifth year, its feasts. <laughs> On the third day in the week of Emer, the Passover. On the first day in the week of Pizez, the waving of the sheaf. On the fifth day in the week of Yehezekel, the second Passover. On the first day in the week of Yorarib, the Feast of Weeks. On the fourth day in the week of Emer, the Day of Memorial. On the sixth day in the week of Hazir, the Day of Atonement. On the fourth day in the week of Pizez, the Feast of Tabernacles, Vakat. The sixth year, its feast. On the third day in the week of Yehezekel, the Passover. On the first day in the week of Gamul, the waving of the sheaf. On the third day in the week of Maaziah, the second Passover. On the first day in the week of Malkiah, the Feast of Weeks. On the fourth day in the week of Yehezekel, the Day of Memorial. On the sixth day in the week of Jeshin, the Day of Atonement. On the fourth day in the week of Gamul, the Feast of Tabernacles. 
after the French Revolution, they tried to have some sort of bizarre new calendar based on, like, 10-day weeks or something. Like, every time people try to mess with what is already there, it screws everything up. And people are left so stinking confused by all of it that eventually people just go back to the way it was. This is one of the reasons we have a 52-week calendar, because that's just how it's been. With tiny little minor changes, like leap years and stuff like that. But every time somebody tries to overhaul the whole stinking thing, it just confuses everybody. This is also, by the way, why I'm against the metric system. I am happy with pounds, foot-pounds, Fahrenheit, inches, etc. Can we just keep that instead of having to deal with this weird overhaul they imposed on everybody? Let's read from Mishmarot B. Let me check how many pages there are on here. I think... Uh, you know what, we're going to call that a day, guys. This is going to be long here. There is a lot of this particular calendar um, coping attempt at getting everything together. Maybe we'll have a bonus episode this week where I just read things that will make paint dry faster. But for now, I hope uh, y'all feel a little bit edified having gotten through the rest of the poetry in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I will catch you next time for some really, really dry, but hopefully I can make it entertaining type of stuff. Amen and amen. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop the presses. P.S. Addendum, we got to add some stuff. So I did a little bit of reading to find out that the calendar we were reading from is even crazier than expected. I was wondering, where do all these names come from? Real quick, let's look at First Chronicles chapter 24. This is when King David is organizing the priests, right? Verse 1, the divisions of the sons of Aaron were these, the sons of Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children, so Eliezer and Ithamar became the priests. With the help of Zadok, of the sons of Eliezer, and Ahimelech, the sons of Ithamar, David organized them according to the appointed duties in their service. Since more chief men were found among the sons of Eliezer than among the sons of Ithamar, they organized them under sixteen heads of fathers' houses of the sons of Eliezer and eight of the sons of Ithamar. They divided them by lot all alike, for there were sacred officers and officers of God among both the sons of Eliezer and the sons of Ithamar. And the scribe Shemaiah, the son of Nethanel, a Levite, recorded them in the presence of the king. And the princes in Zadok, the priest, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, and the heads of the fathers of houses of the priests and of the Levites, one father's house being chosen for Eliezer, and one chosen for Ithamar. The first lot fell to Jehoiarib, the second to Jediah, the third to Harim, the fourth to Siorim the fifth to Malchijah, the sixth to Mijamint, the seventh to Hakoz, the eighth to Abijah, the ninth to Yeshua, the tenth to Shechaniah, the eleventh to Eliashib, the twelfth to Jakim, the thirteenth to Hupah, the fourteenth to Jeshabiab, the fifteenth to Bilgad, the sixteenth to Emer, the seventeenth to Hazir, the eighteenth to Hapizez, the nineteenth to Pethahiah, the twentieth to Jehezkel, the twenty-first to Jachin, 
the 22nd to Gamul, the 23rd to Dalaya, the 24th to Meazia. These had as their appointed duty in their service to come into the house of the Lord according to the procedure established for them by Aaron their father, as the Lord God of Israel had commanded him. And of the rest of the sons of Levi, the sons of Amram, and it's a big list of names from there. So, what is Qumran doing here? They're establishing a new calendar, a solar calendar that is 364 days as opposed to 354 from the lunar calendar of the Old Testament. This is hilarious. They are saying, hey everybody, this way that King David organized the priests, that doesn't apply to us anymore because we are in the post War for Independence from the Greeks era with uh, John Hyrcanus and the Maccabians and everything like that. Let's have a new solar calendar that's 364 days instead of 354. And let's imprint the old way of going about it from a thousand years ago and say that we're doing it right. <laughs> the more you delve into it, the more crazy it is. Amen and amen. <laughs>